What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fitness Oracle. Today's episode is not one that you would actually try to think about, you know, how this is going to be, how this would fit in with what we're trying to do with the Fitness Oracle. We're reaching men's mental health issues, but you'll be surprised. You would be very surprised at uh, all the things that our guest today has to speak because it speaks to both men and women. Um, her niche is women. However, this again, this topic goes through both. That's why I brought her on because it's such a such a unique outlook that hasn't really been looked at, um, especially when it comes to men's mental health. And we sat down with Trisha Nielsen from Heal Your Hunger. Uh, she is an emotional eating expert, and she is an author of the number one best-selling book, Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. She also helps certify other coaches so that they can get better results, referrals, and revenue by helping their, client, their clients overcome emotional eating. Like I said, this is going to be a very interesting topic, especially if uh, you're a guide watching, but you'll see what I mean, because we go into a lot of really interesting topics when it comes to comfort foods. You know, what is comfort foods? And she goes into all this kind of stuff, physical versus emotional hunger. What is emotional eating? What is a physical well, you know, that stuff. Obsessive food thoughts, weight loss mistakes. You'll be surprised at how the crossover actually really fits for both sexes. That's why. So it's a really great episode. Um, I definitely going to be bringing Trisha back on because we have we have a lot more deeper stuff to it we need to talk about. Um, so I really hope that you guys en enjoy the show. But before you go, I want to, as usual, ask you if you're okay with the yo-yo effects of diets that simply don't work. We have created here at, at Fitness Oracle and Vio Fitness the foolproof 12-week system that will not only help you shed the weight that you've gained over COVID, but also give you a blueprint to help you move into a slimmer, sexier you. The best part about this program is that we focus extremely heavily on the mindset aspect of your transformation that you're going to what so that you can love the body that you're about to get. So what do you get? You get a 12 week workout guide a proven nutritional guideline, full master key system, which is fantastic. One-on-one -on -one support with me, a community of others that are there to support and cheer you on, and so much more. So don't wait any longer and stop making excuses. Take control of the one thing that you can control, you. So click the link in the show notes and let's have a talk. I hope you enjoy this episode. And please, as always, don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you enjoy what we're doing with the Fitness Oracle. Hit the bell 
to be notified when we could, when we release a new episode. If you know of a friend of a friend or a family member who is suffering from mental health issues or eating disorders in this case, please, please, please share this episode with them as it may help them gain a different aspect of something, something maybe something different to do. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Google Play, please give us a five-star review and leave us some kind notes um, as it will help our rankings and help our, help our, our message come more across to more people so that we can impact more lives. So with that, I really hope that you enjoy today's show. It was, it's a short and sweet one but it's a powerful one. Um, until the next one, I'll see you guys and you guys be great. Put somebody under enough stress with enough kind of uh, change in their schedule and inability to exercise. And all of a sudden people are, you know, depending on food more than they were, especially for reasons beyond nourishment. So yeah, well, I mean, as an emotional eater, I use food to cover up feelings. Like that's really what emotional eating is. It's like stuffing down uncomfortable emotions, you know, by munching, by snacking, by just unconsciously eating or eating too much. And, you know, so many people do it. And for some people, it really does wreck their health because they're eating too much. They're carrying excess weight, you know, they're obese. It's unconscious and it's habitual. Like I was, I was an overeater and emotional eater from the get-go as far back as I can remember. That's how I coped, you know, when life seemed hard or my emotions seemed hard. So what I do is I take this information and I filter it through the knowledge of emotional eaters the experience of emotional eaters and their relationship with food. And then it's a different conversation. So conventional wisdom is what it is. Okay. Take it for what it's worth. Read the science, make your own decision. Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people, just like you, with real stories, just like yours. And this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Trisha Nelson from Heal Your, Your Hunger. Trisha lost 50 pounds by identifying and healing the underlying causes of her emotional eating. She has spent over 30 years researching the hidden causes of the ad addictive personality she is an emotional eating expert and author of the number one best-selling book, Heal Your Hunger, Several sim Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Healing, Emotional Eating Now. She is also certified health coaches so they can get better results, referrals, and revenue by helping their clients overcome emotional eating. She is the host of, a, of the popular podcast, Heal Your Hunger Show and is a well-respected speaker and has been featured on numerous media outlets such as NBC, CBS, KTLA, Fox, and Discovery Health. Trisha, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Great to be here, John. It's awesome to have you on here. Uh, how is LA? 
sorry. Uh, Ellie's awesome. It's beautiful. It's it's like there are no bugs. <laughs> I'm jealous. I know my sister. I you know I'm from the East Coast, and my sister was just the other day saying how lucky I am because I don't really think about it. But she told me, God, you're so lucky. You don't have bugs. You know we have to deal with it all. It ticks and spiders and all this. I mean we have spiders, but really no bugs, no mosquitoes. It's really nice. It's a dry climate. That's good. That's good. Uh, so you guys are open up again. Uh, life's back to somewhat normal. I wouldn't say that. We are actually the first um, large uh, county um, in the country to put, require masks again inside. So, um, so we're doing. It might be uh, statewide actually. So we are masking again inside because of the variant. And so you know, but we've done this before, so it's not really that big a deal. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I prefer obviously not to wear masks, but now I'm kind of, you know, obviously acclimated. So I'm doing as I'm told. Okay. That, we're not going with that we're there with this. Uh, trust podcast. me. <laughs> That's all right. I have my opinions for sure, which might, might mirror yours, but, but I'm just, uh, you know, I have a yeah. feeling they do mirror mine. <laughs> You have a podcast and how is that coming along? It's great. It's called the Heal Your Hunger Show. And it's really for uh, people who struggle with emotional eating. And it's it's really a non-diet approach to weight loss. So Heal Your Hunger is all about weight loss from the inside out. Because as you know, it's really not about the food. It's not about the weight. It's really about what's eating us. And having been 50 pounds overweight, it's really important for me to show people how I lost the weight and have kept it off for decades. And so I talk about uh, real stuff in my life and, you know, just really how to live without the anesthetic of food. You know, so many people are turning to food, especially in the pandemic, people started really um, just gravitating towards food to soothe themselves. It keep, I had friends who never considered themselves emotional eaters all of a sudden calling me up and they're like, Trisha, I can't stop eating, you know? And it's so funny because, you know, put somebody under enough stress with enough kind of uh, change in their schedule and inability to exercise. And all of a sudden people are, you know, depending on food more than they were, especially for reasons beyond nourishment. So that's what I talk about on my show. It's, it's, um, I have many health experts on there, but I also talk a lot about just the underlying causes, the, the emotions, how to handle life, how to deal with relationships, how to really, um, just navigate this, the, the stress of life without using food to cope. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Um, I actually have been listening to your podcast and it's the, the last one. So the second last one, you were talking about uh, feelings and eating. Right. Now, we're going to dig deeper into, Great. You, know, you know, the physical versus the emotional hunger. But I want to talk, I want you to talk a little bit more about what you meant by like the feelings and eating, because it's this is like so true. Yeah. Well, I mean, as an emotional eater, I used food to cover up feelings. Like that's really what emotional eating is. It's like stuffing down uncomfortable emotions, you know, by munching, by snacking, by just unconsciously eating or eating too much. 
And, you know, so many people do it. And for some people, it really does wreck their health because they're eating too much. They're carrying excess weight, you know, they're obese oftentimes. Um, and it's causing all kinds of health issues, but it really, you know, we have such a diet mentality in our culture where people think, oh, let's go on a diet. Let's like get the right food plan. Let's get the right exercise plan. But they're not looking at, you know, the living plan and the living plan has to be about coping with life and stress, you know, in a healthier way. And that's really why we turn to food is because that's just becomes our fallback. Like, oh, you know, you're bored, eat. Oh, you know, you, you, you know, you've had a hard week, eat or drink or smoke. You know, we use other things as well, but food is just so handy. It's socially acceptable. Everybody's pushing it, you know, workplace, you know, hospital, especially like the unhealthiest place there is because people are always bringing, you know, candy and cookies and, you know, leftovers and, and casseroles, you know, to work. And so it's just really, you know, plus, people are overworked and underpaid. And so it just the stress of it leads to that eating that just unconscious snacking and eating. Um, and then there's people like me who are binge eaters, who go overboard, you know, and so that was kind of my deal is, I love to get like ice cream and cookies and brownies and chips, you have to have salty with the sweet, you know, and so um, and sit in front of the TV and have a lovely little munch out session that just doesn't end, you know, and then you end up feeling sick and stuffed and mad at yourself, embarrassed, you know, bloated and all that. So it's just really important to start realizing that there's a major connection between our feelings and our eating. It's just, it's unconscious and it's habitual. Like I was, I was an overeater and emotional eater from the get go, as far back as I can remember, that's how I coped you know, when life seemed hard or my emotions seemed hard. So, you know, the fact that you're having me on here, you know, I super appreciate because once people hear the information, you can't unhear it, you know? And so the connections are made and then you really start waking up and you're like, wow, like I didn't realize this was me, but look at me go, you know, look at me go. This is not, I don't, I do not need this food for nutritional reasons. You know, I do not need this for sustenance. This is like entertainment for me. This is companionship for me. This is comfort. You said the word companionship. Now I'm, I come from a Greek descent and food for us is a very social affair. Yes. And when we, I mean, I have a story that back in 2008, when I went to my friend's uh, uh, town in, in Greece and I, I was the, I'm the type of eater that whatever's in my plate, I'm going to eat it. And that's it. No more. But his uncle decided when he saw me, he's like, why aren't you eating? I'm like, oh, I'm full. So he loads up my plate and he goes, you are going to eat everything on this table first. And then you're going to finish your plate. <laughs> oh my so God. It's, it's just a part of our culture that, you know, you know, you eat, you feel good because you have this, you, you have this amazing, amazing amount of people around you. You're having a good time. Does that fall under what you call comfort foods? Well, you know, first of all, the, the kind of, you know, familial uh, heritage and, and um, you know, whatever your background is that you have your 
you know, cultural ways with food. Okay. And it's not the Greeks don't have a corner on the eating and feeding market, you know, all kinds of cultures, you know, love that. And food is a social thing. I mean, it's just, it's just true. Like it's true across so many different cultures um, and ethnicities. And, uh, and it's not a bad thing to relate through food. You know, it's, it is a time to come together. It's a time to relate, relate. It's a time for connection. So that's not a bad thing. Um, but yeah, those pushy uncles and aunts that like want you to eat their food because that's love to them. That's their validation. You know, that is tricky. And I, and my, my clients come across that. And so much of what's required, um, you know, in order to eat healthier is to have healthy boundaries as well, you know, where you can say no to your aunt and uncle and say, you know, thank you. It looks amazing. And you're amazing. And I'm good. Like I'm full. And, and, and that's, you know, that's kind of the end of the story. And so that's, that takes some inner grit, right. And emotional eaters typically are people pleasers. So they want to like please people and not have anybody be mad at them. And so much of what, what I teach is, Hey, it's your body, your life, start speaking up for yourself, you know, and, and don't be a pushover and, and not usually around food. Am I teaching this, but it applies with food as well, you know, and I, you know, I'm at the point now that if, you know, Jesus wanted me to eat ice cream and cake, I'd, I'd say, Jesus, I love you, but no, thank you. <laughs> you know, so, so it's just like, it's really learning to do what I need to do what's best for my body, like learning to listen to my body and to follow that. And that's so much of what food, you know, and overcoming emotional eating gives us is an opportunity to grow through some life stuff you know, like personal boundaries, you know, and self-care and self-love, self-respect. And those are lessons that we can take into every area of our lives, but we don't, we don't always get there until we're facing the, the crisis with food and weight, you know, and trying to, and, you know, when we know diets aren't going to do it because 98% of all diets fail, then we have to start looking at our living problem as it relates to our eating problem. Cause that's really more of what's really going on is we need some new life skills. Um, yes, we do. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Yes, we do. We need to really hone down on the life skills, yeah. but sticking with the comfort foods, why are comfort foods so comforting? Um, you know, it's a great question and emotional eaters tend towards carbs and sugar. You know, I mean, my three favorite food groups were sugar, fat, and carbs. <laughs> so, you know, and if you get them all in one item, like a donut or a pastry, all the better. So, um, you know, and I think it's partly because oftentimes emotional leaders have a serotonin deficit. Okay. So we, we're, you know, we tend towards being a little depressive and the serotonin hit kind of boosts us up, makes us feel better in the moment. Um, but also, those foods are heavier and more calorie dense and they put a, they put a blanket on our emotions, you know, and that was true for me for sure. So, you know, oftentimes we know what carbs are doing to us. Like when we eat sugar and carbs, we gain weight, we get belly fat, you know, muffin top, whatever. Um, and, uh, metabolic syndrome, if it's more technical <laughs> medical term for it. But uh, we, so we know what food does to us, 
but we often don't think about what food does for us. So the carbs, for instance, I mean, I, I, I refer to it as the pep test. So in, in order to kind of clue into this, I say, take the PEP test. So the P, PEP is an acronym, P-E-P. The first P stands for painkiller. So food, carbs and denser foods, carbs, sugar, and fat, they, they kill our pain. Like when we're feeling stressed because we're in a job that's not the right fit for us, or we're in a relationship that's not the right fit for us, or we have a dying parent or a kid that's sick. I mean, life has got, you know, dishes up lots of pain. Okay. There's lots of things happening that are hard. No question, but we use food to tamp down the painful feelings. So that's one way that food serves us. Another way that food serves us is E, which is escape. Okay, the E in PEP is escape. And there was probably no better example of this than the pandemic. So people started to really check out when the pandemic hit because they had a bunch of food in their house. They were stuck at home. And it was like a bizarre reality. Everybody in the planet was experiencing like, oh my God, like we've never done a pandemic before, you know? And so um, it was really hard and people were emotionally eating because they didn't want to face the harsh reality that life isn't like, we're, we're never going to go back to the life as it was, you know? And we can't walk out of our house without the threat of dying. So people were freaking out and their life was upended, you know, especially people like to work out, couldn't go to the gym anymore. I mean, there are so many ways about our comfortable lifestyle that were cut short and it caused people to be really uncomfortable and food was a great escape. Okay. The third um, letter and the last P and PEP is punishment. So we use food as a form of punishment. We don't think of this. It's not intuitive. Okay. Because we think of food as a reward, like, Hey, I'm going to get all my goodies. I'm going to sit in front of the TV. I deserve this reward. And, um, so we don't think of it as a form of punishment, but if somebody's like me and they overdo it and then they end up feeling sick, you know, and they, and they, they, you know, are mad at themselves and they don't feel like working out because they feel like really sick and groggy and bloated. Well, it's like, why did why did I do that to myself? Like, why would I cause myself so much pain? Like to the point where I feel sick. And that's because of unconscious guilt. And my experience, John, is that overeaters are overfeelers and we feel guilty about everything. And so it's really important to realize that, uh, you know, food does, you know, we do use it to punish ourselves. And so this is something that we have to clue into also. So to recap, the PEP test is, you know, when you think you are hungry for chocolate, you know, when you think you just need something else and you go to the refrigerator eight times to see what's there, um, you know, ask yourself, what's really going on? Like, what am I needing? What am I hungry for in truth? And you might be needing, you know, to kill some pain. You might be needing to escape an uncomfortable truth or, or a situation in your life. Or you might be feeling bad about something and you just want it to go away, you know, and, and punish yourself, you know, beat yourself up a little bit because you feel like you messed something up. And so these are some ways that food serves us and we have to see that. So, and we have to face that pain and that, those fearful thoughts and, and the guilt feelings so that we can, you know, make new choices and not be compelled to eat. So that's just an example 
of emotional eating and some of the over, you know, some of the deeper emotions, there's more to it than that. But I think that's kind of a nice place to start is people asking themselves, what am I, what, what's painful? What's, what am I trying to escape? Or what am I worrying about that? I don't want to deal with. And what am I feeling bad about? It's a, so these are your three hidden causes for emotional eating. Yeah. Yeah. Pain, fear, and guilt. It's interesting because those are the three things that actually I actually had to confront when I was in my martial arts. It was the pain, the fear, and the guilt. Mm. Uh, so, and it, well, for me, it wasn't, it was eating, but it was like eating, it was eating the wrong foods. Then I personally know this, but I, uh, I would like you to verbalize this. Do you feel that what you eat has a direct effect on how you're going to perceive yourself um, in a positive I, light or a negative light? Like if you eat junk food, for example, I personally know because through experience that you eat junk food, you're going to feel like crap. Mm -hmm. But if you eat something like healthy, like uh, an apple, you just picked off a tree, right? You're going to feel great. Yeah. If you don't mind, we can get into a little bit of woo-woo in this. Hey, I love woo. Awesome. Uh, do you feel that the energy that's released, whether it's living or dead, because junk food to me is dead food. Sure. Does that have a direct correlation with yourself and how you perceive yourself and yourself in, the, in, in this world? Um, I don't typically think of it that way, to be honest. I, you know, I, I find that eating is just sort of the cravings for food is so related to our emotions, you know, um, that it's like sort of like instant gratification. Like I want to be gratified now and I want to like escape now, right? Like I want to just not deal. And mind you, none of this is conscious. You know, I had a client say to me today, she's like, Oh, you know, I don't feel like I eat for, you know, uh, protecting myself. Like I don't eat, I don't think like, I don't do that. And like fat, cause fat is often a protection an emotional protection from other people. If we have sexual abuse in our past, or if we feel like, you know, we've been hurt in the past, we, it sort of makes us feel stronger, bigger, whatever. She's like, I don't do that. And I said, well, you might not be aware of it, you know, but this is not a conscious thing. This is totally subconscious that we would eat for a sense of strength and protection, you know? And so what you're talking about to me might be a little more subconscious um, where certainly self-sabotage can be part of this. Like I know for myself, and this is part of my binging behavior, you know, when I felt bad, I just wanted to kick myself, like kick myself when I'm down, you know? So eating crappy foods was sort of like, I wasn't feeling good. And so it's sort of like add insult to injury, like just sort of, you know, I know I'm mixing my metaphors here, but you know, it's like, you just, you just want to feel like it's progressive. Like when you feel crappy, you don't care what you put in your body. You don't care if you put crap in your body, you know? And then when you put crap in your body, you feel more crappy and then you don't care, you know? And then you definitely don't want to exercise because that would make you feel good right? and good about yourself. So it's sort of a progress. It's a, it's, it devolves you know, it's progressively, it gets progressively worse, but it does get progressively better. So when we do, do something good for ourselves, it sort of, it lifts you up a little bit. Like when you do work out, you're like, oh, you know, it's kind of like it hurt, but 
kind of felt good. I feel good about myself. And then all of a sudden you want to eat something healthy because you want to just kill what you just accomplished. Right. And so it can get like, and when you start feeling better, you start wanting to do good things for yourself. So it can get progressively worse or progressively bad. Um, but certainly, you know, in my experience, the negative, you know, I mean, the darkness attracts more darkness. If, I mean, I don't know if that's answering your question, but that's my experience. That's cool. No, that's, that's, that's great. Um, so this actually ties in with uh, physical and emotional hunger, because uh, I kind of understand what you're trying to say, but with a, with a physical and emotional hunger, but, but what is physical hunger? I mean, physical hunger is, I mean, hormone, there are hormones in our bodies, you know, like ghrelin, you know, that will create hunger. Um, but ghrelin and leptin, you know, but, and that's a natural thing. Like we we're meant to eat. So we're going to have hunger you know, hunger is going to dictate our actions when we're hungry, when those hormones are secreted and we are hungry, we're going to feed ourselves. And then we're going to, you know, get full and we have the normal hormones that'll indicate that we're full. And that's how it's supposed to work, you know, but emotional hunger, which I guess might be your next question, <laughs> doesn't work that way. Right. So we can, and the crazy thing in my experience is where you, you are an emotional eater and you, your eating is so habitual, like, like just eating excess foods, snacking, craving sweet foods that becomes so habitual that you can't tell the difference between physical and emotional hunger. And I tell you that I've been amazed at how, you know, I'm 30 into the year, 30 years into this work that I do and the research that I've done. And I'm amazed at how some days I'll get confused by the signals too. And so I'll be like, I'm so hungry. And then I have a conversation with myself. I'm like, really? Like, really? Are you hungry? Like, when was the last time you ate? And, uh, and so I'll like do a little like evaluation here. I'm like, no, I'm not really hungry. Like it must be emotional, you know? And that's the importance of eating regularly. And I call it three meal magic, which is three meals a day with nothing in between. Three meal magic is like, I mean, I live by it. I live by it because, I mean, studies have shown, you know, people in nutrition used to just think it was great to eat like six small meals. Like eat, that's your, then you never get hungry. But more and more, so many experts really believe that it's good to give your body a rest and to digest, you know, and, and have some space between your meals. For me, it's not that as much as it is having space to identify what you're feeling and what's really going on. Because when you are numbed out on food all the time by snacking, you don't really know. You're not really in touch with those feelings. So that's how I am able to do that kind of detective work when I'm just telling myself and emotionally you're so good at rationalizing. It's like, no, I'm positive. I should eat. I'm positive. I'm really hungry. You know, I'm positive I didn't eat enough, you know, for lunch. And so we have this conversation in our head, like, oh no, we should eat. But when I have had those three fairly equal sized meals, I can say, okay, it's 10 in the morning. You ate at seven. Are you really hungry? I'm like, no. Can you wait till 12? Yes. <laughs> you know, so it just makes it more clear. It's like clear boundaries around meals. And then I can start saying, well, so what's really going on, Trish? You know, and I'm like, well, you know, I didn't get enough sleep for one thing. You know, maybe I need to drink some water and maybe there's a phone call I'm really dreading making, or maybe I need to go do my taxes, you know, like, so there's always something going on that might make me want to just distract with food. 
And that's more on the emotional side. Interesting. And very interesting. Uh, you said a couple of big points right there, like the three meals per day. I know a lot of people, uh, they, they believe in the six meals per day, like myself. I believe in the six meals per day and the inverted pyramid. But I took that from, body, from the bodybuilding world because when you're working out and you're really pushing your body, you need that fuel to replenish your nutrients and you know the amino acids that are going into your muscles and everything to help the muscles grow and all that good stuff. How do you feel about people that work out extremely heavy? I'm not saying that I'm working out heavy right now and my workouts are not that intense. It's just tapered in a different way. How do you feel about that? Um, I'm not an intense worker outer. Okay. So I'm probably ill qualified. Um, but I'll tell you from my, from my standpoint, our vantage point, um, you know, there's a lot of nutritional advice out there. That's great. You know, there's lots of fad things going on out there, like in, intermittent fasting, keto, this kind of thing. There's got, there's great science there. Okay. So there's great science. There's probably great science for working out and eating several meals. What I do is I take this information and I filter it through the knowledge of emotional eaters, the experience of emotional eaters and their relationship with food. And then it's a different conversation. So conventional wisdom is what it is. Okay. Take it for what it's worth. Read the science, make your own decision. If you're an emotional eater, Let's talk about how to have a sane relationship with food, how to start identifying your emotions and to have balance in your eating. And that's a different, that's a different conversation. You know, I have done intense exercise um, and I've done it still within three meal magic, like still eating. I might add carbs, like some carbs to my food, right? Some, some slow metabolizing, metabolizing carbs so that I'm fortified, you know, and not fainting when I'm on a, on a bike cycling. Um, but I, I, you know, I think it's totally doable with, um, the three meals, but that's for emotional eaters. I'm not saying that's true for everybody, but for somebody who wants to have a healthier relationship with food, the three meal thing, or maybe three meals and a snack, you know, depending, um, on what, you know, what your workout schedule is like, but just, it's really a way to start really recognizing, your relationship with food, with your emotions, with yourself, you know, and that's, and that does take some balance. So it's, it really depends on what somebody's goals are. You know, if somebody's really sick of fighting food, sick of being in this binge cycle, sick of, you know, hating their bodies because, you know, it's not what they want or, or the, all they're, they're working out in the world isn't really changing things, then it's time to have that, you know, shift in perspective. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, what's the difference between physical and emotional hunger? Well, yeah, I think I kind of covered that, you know, I mean, it's really, it's, it's really the emotional hunger is, is just needing food for distraction from our feelings, you know, and the physical is just, you know, we deserve to eat, we deserve to eat, we de deserve to feel good about what we eat. You know, we don't need to be eating diet food. We need to eat nourishing meals, you know, good organic if possible, organic greens, organic, you know, uh, grass fed proteins, you know, um, and, and really be making, you know, good oils, good fats, this kind of thing. Um, but, uh, but really doing it for our body's nourishment and not for entertainment or, 
you know, some other emotional reason. Do you find that eating for a little bit of entertainment is good? Well, here's the thing. (laughs) Yes, John, go for it. (laughs) 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 You know, uh, knock yourself out. But here's the thing. Um, You know, we really should enjoy our food. We really should enjoy our food. And so I, I'm not here to say you should enjoy your food. I love a good sauce. I like, I, I mean, I was just with my family and we ate chicken and salad and that kind of thing. My family's really healthy and it was kind of boring. And when I cook with my boyfriend, we make these awesome like coconut, you know, sauces and stir fries and like, it's really yummy and like, you know, sauteed kale with garlic and olive oil. So I, I prefer yummy food that I enjoy and that's kind of fun. So absolutely. You know, I just don't, when I'm bored, I don't start munching out, you know, because I'm bored because that just leads to trouble. Right. That could also lead to obsessive, uh, food, food thoughts as well. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, you know, it's using food really for, all these other reasons that aren't for nourishment, you know, uh, they do lead to overeating, you know, and they can, and if you eat sugar, sugar is certainly addictive, you know, I mean, I, I was a total sugar addict. So if there's, if I ate sugar, I craved more sugar. So there's a physical aspect to that obsession as well. You know, if you're, if you are addicted to sugar and carbs do metabolize the sugar in our bodies. So we have to be careful about fast metabolizing carbs, um, then we're going to start getting up, feeling obsessed and hooked, you know, and that's going to just interrupt our peace. You know, we're going to end up thinking about food all day long, which I did. And that's, it just sucks because you can't be present with people in your life when you're obsessed with food. You just, you can't feel present. You can't feel like you're really contributing when all you want to do is just eat. Yeah. Um, the sugar thing, I, I, I want to touch up on the sugar thing, because it's such a huge topic and such a, it's such a destructive force. And you said that uh, actually, you actually just had, uh, I don't know if you're still doing the, the, the quit sugar challenge. Yeah, yeah, um, I just, I just finished one, but I, people can go to the website and sign up and get notified when I have another one. Cool. I'll post the links for everybody so they can have easy access. But my question is, how does somebody quit sugar when it's such, it's it's like so inundated with their food? Oh, well, that's what I teach in my quit sugar challenge. (laughs) So that's the deal is it's so hard. You know, I'm not trying to be hooky. I just, it's hard because there is sugar in so many things you know, so, so many things. And so people, you know, what helped me is I, I had to start learning the different names for sugar. I had to learn kind of how to read labels and realize, I mean, it's very sad. And I don't know if in Canada it's any better, but you know, our, the foods here in the U S are laden with sugar because people buy them, you know, it keeps people coming back for more when they, they lace everything with sugar. I mean, stupid things like tomato sauce. I mean, tomatoes are totally sweet, cooked tomatoes, especially salad dressings, you know, with, with corn syrup in them. I mean, so many things that should not have sugar in them, you know, applesauce, apples are sweet. Why would you put sugar or corn syrup in it? So, um, you know, it's, it's 
we are an addicted, you know, Americans are addicted to sugar a hundred percent because it's just, they, the food industry knows that if they get us hooked on sugar, we'll keep buying. It's no better here in Canada. Okay. I figured we're awfully close. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. How do you help people get over these obsessive thoughts of, you know, cravings and, you know, emotional eating and all that stuff? Yeah. So what I do, John, is I, I have a program that a 90 day program that walks people through this inner journey of addressing, uh, you know, their, their relationship with food. And I don't teach nutrition because most people aren't stupid and they have taken so many nutrition. If they struggle with food and weight, they're pretty knowledgeable about what to eat and what not to eat but they just can't follow through on their knowledge. Like they, they know that salads are probably better than pizza, but they can't stop eating pizza or craving pizza. And so, you know, my experience is that you have to go deeper. Like it's really not about the food. And so we have to start again, asking what are we really hungry for, but also cutting down on the stress. And remember I talked early on about how it's really more of a living problem than an eating problem. So I really help people address that living problem. And so I teach people self-care skills. I call them the six self-care success secrets that help them start lessening their stress, starting their day, you know, getting centered, getting still and quiet with meditation, prayer, things that will help you get grounded. And also what I, what I like to refer to as putting money in your spiritual bank account so that you, you have something to draw on later in the day when the, the stress of life piles up because late in the day is when people start to really snack. Okay. They've missed, they've perhaps skipped lunch because they're working right through lunch. Not a good plan. Three meal magic all the way. Do not skip meals. <laughs> um, but Later in the day is when we've had a lot of stress in our day. We've been running here and there and everywhere. And that's when we start looking for a quick pick-me-up, like energy through coffee, chocolate, you know, some other kind of stimulant. And the thing is that that's obviously a plan for disaster. And so when we start our day kind of shoring ourselves up, you know, and putting money in that spiritual bank account, then we have something healthier to draw on later in the day. Our stress levels are lower. So my clients... But gosh, you know, by like just even a month or so into my program, they just, they're not like reacting to stress. They're no, they're no longer, they're feeling more peaceful and calm. You know, their, their relationships are better. They're just feeling like they can handle life easier and it's without turning to food, you know, so they have healthy coping tools. You know, one of the reasons why diets don't work is because people learn a new way of eating, but they don't live, learn new tools for living. You know, they, they're just without those tools. And if you don't have better, healthier coping tools, you're going to go back to the main coping tool that was so readily available that's still staring you in the face everywhere, and that's food. And so we have to learn new tools for living. So that's really what I do is I teach people those tools. We support each other in community and, and following through on them. You know, it's everybody knows they should meditate. Like we're, you know, that's kind of, you know, it's, we're, we're in the 21st century now. Like it's not, it's not news that meditation is good for you on many levels, but who wants to sit down and shut up really, you know, not too many people, but when we do it in community, like we don't meditate in community, but when you're around a community of people who are meditating, who are making that a priority, who are slowing down, putting boundaries on their time, speaking up for themselves, you know, 
making healthier choices in their meals, eating three meals with nothing in between. Boy, oh boy, it makes it so much easier. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, you and I are both in pretty much the same field when it comes uh, to this whole stuff. And it's like weight loss and everything. Uh, I have my program. You have your 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 uh, your your programs. I've seen it pretty much all because I've personal trainer. I've been a personal trainer for nearly twelve years now, and I've seen everything. People lose weight. Yeah. People not lose weight. People dumping money into their into the program, not getting their not getting yeah. the results. People dumping in their their money in the program and getting some amazing results. What's the biggest mistake that you have seen? when it comes to people losing weight? Um, I, I would say, first of all, dieting, of course, but also skipping meals. Like I just said, like it's, it's, a, it's a recipe for disaster. And the thing about emotional eaters is we are always trying to hack the system. You know, like we're always trying to figure out a way that to easily lose weight. So we're like, oh, I know I'll work right through lunch, you know, or I won't eat until, you know, the intermittent fasting thing. I won't eat until four or something, um, you know, when we deprive our bodies, and again, intermittent fasting works for a lot of people, but if you're an emotional eater, it may not because we have these alarms that go off that say we're starving. Like when we get too hungry, it's like, I'm starving. I have to eat everything. You know, I have to eat the house. So um, it's really important that we just feed our bodies on a regular basis and not trip those signals um, or those alarms rather. And, um, and I just think it's really, really important, you know, that we start caring for our bodies as we would care for a small child, like our sweet, our sweet little girl, right? So a sweet little girl or boy, we wouldn't say, Hey, you're going to, you know, we're going to starve you for 18 hours. Cause you're going to lose some weight. You're going to slim down. Like we wouldn't do that to a kid. It's just, it, we just wouldn't do it. So we need to start thinking of ourselves. Like would I treat my sweet kid, my sweet little cherub in this way, would I talk to my sweet cherub in this way? Like, oh, getting a little pudgy, oh, feeling those love handles, you know? Like we just wouldn't do it, you know? And so we have to think more in terms of that. Like how can we be sweeter to ourselves, more kind and loving to ourselves? And is this plan, is this a plan I would prescribe for my kid? I'm laughing because you haven't obviously met my mother. <laughs> oh yeah. So just look at me, she's like, you gain weight. Oh, love it. <laughs> oh my God. Cheeks. Oh, geez. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Um, you said something about intermittent fasting. You keep uh, numbing, numbing it down. I have, I love intermittent fasting. The problem that I have with intermittent fasting is that people don't keep, keep it intermittent. They okay. Make it a part of their lifestyle. Way of life. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's, Yes. Again, the science, if you need, if you have health issues, you know, that, that IF can help, it's great. You know, it can really help you to help produce more stem cells in your body. I mean, there's so many things it can do. So it's amazing. But a lot, what my problem with it is a lot of people use it as a diet hack, you know, and that's really not what it's meant for. And it seems to me, that's kind of where you're going with it too. Yeah. It's more of a, this is how we used to live in roaming the plains there yep. were times where we never ate yeah but there was times where we did eat right yep so we're gonna be wrapping up the show in just a little bit and okay. these are the seven or eight questions that i ask all my guests and i would love to get your input on these 
seven or eight topics. With the increase in people suffering from depression from the lockdowns, unlocking, locking down again, and all this uncertainty, what will be the one thing that you could help them to keep their hopes up? Oh my gosh, I would say connection with people you love, you know, just connection and community. It's so soul filling, like the isolation of the pandemic has really hurt us. You know, it's really hurt us in a lot of ways. I'm super grateful for Zoom. You know, I'm super grateful that the internet has saved us, you know, allowed us to connect, but we really have to be consistent and conscious about really reaching out to friends picking up the phone, calling people, you know, really making an effort at connecting because that, that heart to heart connection can really heal us at a, at a deep level. And so it's just for anybody who's suffering, depression is awful. I've had it. Um, uh, just picking up the phone and reaching out and not being alone with it. Even if it's just to say, Hey, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Like it's a hard thing to do because we have pride, you know, and we don't want people to know, but it's such a common experience. So just really laying it out there and let people, people help, people want to help, you know, but it, we cannot do it alone. That's amazing. Thank you for that. That's, that was really, really spot on. Uh, what is the one thing that you do daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused? I'd say it's meditation, hands down. I've been a meditator for 30 year, 30 plus years, and I can't live without it. It just, my, you know, I am, I tend toward the ADD side of things. You know, I have a pretty jumpy brain <laughs> and, and emotional eaters are that way. I always say overeaters are overthinkers. Like we overthink everything. Um, but, you know, taking a time out and doing a little meditation has, is really, it's helped me so much to stay centered. You know, I can't say I'm very good at focusing, but I'd be so much worse if I didn't have a meditation practice. That's awesome. I actually just started this year. Good for well, you. Touch and go. Yeah. Keep at it. <laughs> keep at it. Uh, if you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? Oh, great question. I would just Oh my God, I would tell myself that I'm beautiful inside and out. I did not believe it, you know, and that hence my struggles, but yeah, I, I, I'd want me to know that a hundred percent all the way. Awesome. Very good. Uh, looking back, would you change anything? Oh, wow. What I, what would I change? That's a hard question, John. I don't know that I would, you know, I mean, there are things in my life that I kind of wish hadn't happened, but I really like the person I am now. And I can't, you know, you can't pull one of the stones out of the stone wall without everything shifting. And I just, I really love what I've become and who I've become. And it, it's all, you know, it's all on account of everything that's happened. So probably not. I love that answer. <laughs> got it yeah yeah it's uh, all in divine order yeah absolutely absolutely uh what scares you um what scares me um gosh i would think i'd be better at this i used to be so afraid but i'm not really afraid so much anymore um 
I don't know, somebody, I, I mean, I don't dwell on this, but I'd be really sad if some people that I really love died. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you see heal your hunger the next five years? I, uh, oh my gosh, I just want to impact as many people as possible. So I like to, I like to serve a million people and help them heal their hunger and have a better relationship with food. Nice. I see you doing it, by the way. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> what about you personally? Five years from now, um, it's the same. I want to impact a million people and have them have a better relationship with food, but have fun in the process. You know, I want to have, I want to have uh, a lifestyle that enables me to travel, which I do right now, you know, on account of having an online business, but enables me to travel and see things I've never seen, you know, beautiful things and uh, go places I've never, I have not done a lot of travel in my life. So, um, you know, the next many years, that's what I want to do is travel with, um, the man I love and still do my business and serve people. That's amazing. <laughs> Travel is the, the doorway to the world. It's, I was traveling between 2018 and well, 2020. And I absolutely, I've seen stuff I don't want to see again, gone to countries that I don't want to ever want to go again, but there's also countries that are just absolutely mind-blowing life-changing life-altering it's it's, yeah. it's it's amazing well greece is very high on my list not right now not right but not right now <laughs> <laughs> not right now it shouldn't be on your list right now. okay okay thanks for the tip <laughs> give it a year we'll be better then uh where can people find more about you HealYourHunger.com, H-E-A-L, HealYourHunger.com. There's a quiz on there. If anybody is like, I don't know if I'm an emotional eater, uh, take the quiz. There's a quiz, free quiz on there. It takes like three minutes to take the quiz and you'll find out where you are on the emotional eating spectrum, whether you're an emotional eater or a food addict or somewhere in between. Um, so that's on there. I also obviously have my podcast, The Heal Your Hunger Show. I'm on Instagram at Trisha Nelson underscore underscore is right at the end of the N in Nelson, um, the last N. And uh, I do lots of Instagram posting as well. And also um, the Secret Sauce group on Facebook called The Secret Sauce to End Emotional Eating. Awesome. And again, we are going to post all your links with the show notes below. So everybody has easy access to your content and to reach out to you personally if they need it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, just be sweet to yourself. That's the name of the game. Not by eating sweets. <laughs> you know, eat, you know, eat what makes you feel good about yourself, not what makes you feel good in the moment. Awesome. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, Trisha, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I greatly appreciate everything that you're doing with your work. Um, it's interesting that, you know, it's not just only women that are suffering from emotional he he eating, but it's also men as well. We do suffer from emotional eating as well. It's, we just don't verbalize it as well. Yeah, that's so true. And I forgot to mention, I do have a book on Amazon called heal your hunger, seven simple steps to end emotional eating. Now you talked about it at the beginning and that's, it's a great, and it's a great read and men get a lot of benefits from that. 
Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. And again, I'll put links for that as well. And um, again, I greatly appreciate everything that you're doing. Anybody that's uh, in, in this kind of realm that's doing this kind of work is angels to me. So uh, thank well, you thank so you. much. Thanks for your amazing work and your passion on this topic. So I really appreciate your having me. Thank you. Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before, and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good night, or good afternoon, wherever you may be in this crazy world.